I was thinking when I was a kid, uh, I, I grew up in Mangare, uh, and I went to a primary school called Jean Batten Primary School. And when I was um, standard three, anybody remember the old standards before they went to the, come on, old school, yeah, OG, right here, okay. And I was, uh, I was standard three, which is year five. And uh, at that time, my mum, she worked at Kai for Christians, KFC, and, uh, and so back then, you par- apparently, I don't know, apparently you can bring a whole bunch of the produce back home. And so for my lunch, I had like stacks of cheesecakes. Remember when KFC had cheesecake? So good, so good. And that corn on a cob, sweet corn, it was so good. And, and I'll take this to school with all my um, uh, very heavenly chicken uh, along there. But you know what? I, I learned to leverage my lunch with my classmates. And so at the age of nine, I began to have a staff. I became a teacher leader at an age of nine, and I, and I began to hire my bodyguard. I had body, hired bodyguards. I hired people to do my homework. I hired people, my artists, dancers, you name it. And so when I walked, so when I walked around my school, I had an entourage following me, and I was like, I was walking around because you know, I, I, had, I had a walking problem back then. So <laughs> walking around, and, uh, and um, this all... You know, my leg was heavy. You know, I had a heavy leg back then. And so I walk around my school, like I had this entourage, this posse following me, and I thought I was the man, you know. Um, and so uh, that all ended one day when um, somebody in the quad, junior, in the junior quad rooms trashed the toilets for whatever reason. I don't know why, but my younger brother, maybe he was jealous that I had a posse, he had nobody. My younger brother... <laughs> He said it was my posse, my crew, my boys, my entourage. It was them that did it. And so they had to spend the rest of the afternoon cleaning the junior quad toilets. And um, in fact, they almost got the strap. Who remembers the strap back in the good old days? Who, yeah, I, I, remember, I remember those. I remember the kick up the backside. Thank you, Mr. Richards. Uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, who remembers the good old days of, of uh, yeah, great. Anyway, um, and so, and all the boys wanted to do that day, they had one thing in mind, they wanted to beat up my younger brother. And I went to, I forbid it. I forbid it, I'm your boss. You know what they did? They quit. <laughs> I was going, what? You're not going to have any cheesecake, you're not going to have chicken. We don't care, we're going to beat up your brother. And so I spent the rest of the afternoon protecting my younger brother. I got into fights for my, my, my little brother, and all the way home I was fighting my old posse off my brother. And, and, and when we got home, my sisters were trying to uh, stop me from beating up my little brother. But one thing I do know for sure is that I had to reevaluate how I got friends. And because a crowd isn't always a good thing. A crowd can be for you one day, and they could be against you the next day. You got to understand when Jesus entered his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, the crowds were, were seeing Hosanna. They're putting, they're putting their coats on the ground. They're putting, their, they're putting palm trees down and they're praising his name. But five days later, the same crowd were crying, crucify him. Yeah. Crucify him. The crowd isn't always a good thing. See, our self-worth can't be based upon people who give us pats on the back. And, or we can't base who we are upon everybody who praises us. And if you've been in any form of leadership, 
Uh, you un- understand that they could be patting your back, well done, you're a great leader. And the next day, if something goes wrong, there's misunderstanding or whichever, then it's a different story. And I love exactly what Willie said um, during that time. He, he said, you know, he said, I-, I will let you down. Pastor Ants will let you down, but God will never let you down. And you've got to understand that, that, that in, in your life, you will let down people. And, and those same people that, you, that, that, that praise your name will the same people who will be talking about you behind your back. So we cannot, we, we, we cannot put our hope in what other people say about us. Amen? Amen? The crowd isn't always a good thing. But you've got to understand when it comes to follow, Jesus said, follow me. You've got to understand in, in, in the Bible, in the New Testament, not once did Jesus say, I want you to become a Christian. When you become a Christian, uh, you will receive eternal life. Not once did Jesus say that. But what Jesus did say, he said, follow me. Follow me. You got to understand that being a follower of Jesus is the most life-changing experience in your life. It will change your life. It's, it's a good idea to follow Jesus. It's a bad idea to be part of the crowd. If you want to destroy your life, just go along with what everybody else is doing. Go along with what everybody else is saying. I mean, how many people have used this, this, this simple excuse when they've done something stupid? Well, everybody else is doing it. Maybe you've said that. Well, everybody else is doing it. Just because everybody else is doing it doesn't mean you should. Just because everyone else is smoking it, drinking it, doesn't mean you should. Just because everyone else is sleeping around doesn't mean you should. Just because everybody else is watching it doesn't mean you should. Just because everyone else is cussing, swearing, doesn't mean you should. Just because everyone else is doing doesn't mean you should. It doesn't mean that you should give up your individuality for the sake of the crowd. God made you unique. God made you an original. God did not make you a copy. God knows you by name. In fact, the Bible tells us that even knows the amount of hair you have on your head. I just kind of made it easy for God. There's one less person he needs to count. Maybe he counts my eyebrows. I'm not sure. So Jesus, Jesus, wherever Jesus went, crowds followed Jesus. Jesus wasn't interested in crowds. He was interested in followers. And sometimes, but, but what's, what's interesting is you think that you're a crowd. If you're going to begin a ministry, um, you, you think a, a, a big crowd is good, right? But sometimes the crowds got so large, he began to drive, drive them away. Can you imagine what, what churches we like? Well, church is just too big. We need to drive some people away from church. It's, it's unheard of. But Jesus began to do that. And, you know, they'll be following him. They'll be, uh, and Jesus, they'll watch Jesus do all these miracles. And Jesus looking at these guys, just looking at this crowd, he goes, I don't, I don't just want crowd, I want followers, I want disciples. And so he'll say stuff like, you know, if you, if you would drink my blood and eat my flesh, then you can be my follower. And people will be like, you know what, I was into the miracles, but this cannibalism thing, I don't know. But, but he doesn't stop there. He goes even further. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 14. And, and he says this, if anyone comes to me, Listen to the words Jesus says. Man, Jesus, Jesus is a savage. When, you know, the things that he would say, it's like, can you imagine if I said this in church? Well, I'm about to right now. And, and he said, if anyone comes to me but does not hate, he chooses that word. 
He chooses to use the word hate. I'm not even allowed to say hate in my own home when I say something about hate. My, my wife, Portal, says, no, no, don't say that word. Okay, I dislike running. <laughs> if anyone comes to me but does not hate father and mother, whoa, 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 okay, maybe my mother-in-law, but what, really, Jesus? But if, if it does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, oh, I can do that, that's okay, especially after my younger brother did to me. Yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. I'm thinking, whoa, Jesus, you're just a savage. Oh my gosh. But he chooses to use the word hate. You know, when you, when you search hate and see where hate is used in Scripture, and, and you know, wherever you find hate in the Scripture, you know what it means? It means hate. You can't sugarcoat the words Jesus, Jesus, Jesus who was a Jew. You can't sugarcoat the word that Jesus said. Hate, and we, we know that we, we know that Jesus Jesus uh, Jesus uh, wants he said you know you got to love your mother he said all these things about you love your parents we know he said this so then why did he use hate at this moment he, he, then you got to understand well actually he used hate because he's making a point this statement is what we call a hyperbole statement a hyperbole when we exaggerate something to make a point it's like the All Blacks killed the Wallabies last night. Doesn't mean they went out to Australia, started killing all the wallabies that were bouncing around. It meant that they dominated them in rugby, and they will continue to for the rest of my life. But anyway, <laughs> just one of, uh, and I'm going to have a long life. And so, and he's saying this: Look, come on, you guys are just following me. Look, you got to understand. Look, I'm, I'm, don't just follow me because I, I, I'm making you happy. I'm not just making you happy. You've got to consider it. You've got, you, you want to follow me? And he, he's not even finished. He goes on to say, and whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. You've got to understand this, this word. All the believers back in the day, they understood what it meant to carry a cross. If you carried a cross in that day and age, it meant that you were sentenced to death. Whoa, 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 Jesus. Whoa, whoa. Are you telling me if I want to follow you, then I've got to be willing to die for you? Oh, I don't know, I can do that, Jesus. Look, I enjoyed the free meals. I enjoyed the bread and the fish and, and all the milk. And when you, when you brought that guy, Lazarus, back to life, he was there for four days. He was embalmed. They already had the funeral. They sung the songs. And you brought him back to life. That was amazing. But now you're asking me to sacrifice something that, of myself? You want to give myself to you? I don't mind when you do it for other people. But you, you asking me to consider consider my life, to put my life into your hands. I don't, I don't know. Do you have enough of Jesus in your life? Because when you've got enough of Jesus in your life, he will transform your life. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the life. I am the truth. And if anyone follows me, you will find eternal life. But I'm not looking for people who are just after a happy meal. I'm not your Burger King. You don't just sample Jesus. I'm looking for people who will shoulder the cross. You want your life to be transformed? When you, when you love everything else less than me, then you'll begin to love everything else more. When you, love, when you love everything else less than me, you love everything else more. Because, you know, in order to follow Jesus, that means you need to unfollow some things in your life. I don't need to tell you what you need to unfollow. 
You know exactly what you need to unfollow. You know, we're really good at deceiving other people. But the best pe- per- person we're really good at deceiving is ourselves. We're so good at deceiving ourselves. Nobody talked me out of not going to the gym in the morning. I talked myself out of it. No one talked me into eating those three Dunkin' Donuts yesterday. I talked myself into it. I did kind of blame my wife a little bit, but anyway. You know what you need to unfollow. What do you need to unfollow? What do you need to unfollow in your life? Amen? Well, near the end of Jesus' ministry, Okay, now before the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Now, uh, Jesus, man, he, st- he had stirred the nation. Jesus' popularity was at its highest. Everybody was talking about Jesus. Jesus was more famous than Passover itself. And they're on their way there. Now, now the disciples, they're, they're thinking to themselves, we're going to be famous. We're going to be famous. When we get to Jerusalem, they're going to make him king. And they're going to make him king with them. You know, this is our time. This is our, our place. This is our moment where they will praise our names. And so two of his disciples, the sons of Zebedee, John and James, they kind of, they're on their way to, to the Passover, to Jerusalem. They kind of make their way over to Jesus and they, and they kind of they whisper because they don't want the other disciples to hear what they're going to ask Jesus. And... and um, and they basically asked Jesus, they basically asked Jesus, Jesus, when we, when we get to Jerusalem, and, and, and you know, when, when you enter into this new kingdom, when you enter into your new glory, can, can, we be, can I be number two? And can my brother be number three? Because you, know, you're going to be number one, but we want to rule with you. We, we want to step into this. And, and, um, but when the disciples found out, when the disciples found out what they were asking, you should, it's hilarious. Let's turn with me to Mark chapter 10, verse 41. When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were happy. Now, they weren't happy. They were indignant. They were like, what? It wasn't because they thought to themselves, you know what? Oh, dear, that's selfish. You shouldn't think like that. It's all about Jesus. Let's make him famous. It wasn't like that at all. They're like, you know what? If anybody should be number two, it should be me. They're all fighting over who should be number two. I'm Peter. I, I walked on water. If anybody, it should be me. And Jesus like, Oh my goodness, I think I chose the wrong 12. And, 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 uh, and he kind of calls the boys over. Come over here, boys. Come on, huddle, huddle, huddle. Man, and he goes, man, how thick are you guys? And he begins to speak to them. And Jesus calls them together and he says, you idiots. Oh, sorry, no, that, that, that. I kind of feel he's saying this. He says, you know that the rulers in this world lorded over their people and officials flaunt the authority over those under them. You know this. You know when people get power. You know it's about top down. You know when I'm number one, everybody serves me. You know that, that you know what, what the rulers are like. But then Jesus begins to introduce this new idea. This idea that was never ever, ever they never ever heard of. It was revolutionary. And he goes on, but among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. This idea that he was 
introducing this revolutionary idea. Well, it was an upside-down pyramid. It wasn't about um, bottom-down about bottom up. It's about, we're here to serve. You've got to become a servant. They understood what servants were like. Lots of the disciples had servants. Matthew, the former tax collector, had servants. They knew that that was one of the lowest forms in his household was a servant. But Jesus wasn't finished then. And whoever wants to be first among you must be a slave, even lower than a servant. You want to be first? You've got to be even lower than a servant. You've got to be a slave. That's a strong word. That was a powerful word. You've got to be a slave of everyone else. Come on, you want to be number two? Put your hands up. Who wants number two? Who wants, to be number, who wants to be a slave? Then he goes on, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. You know what, I don't think the disciples got it. They didn't get it. How do I know that? It's because what Jesus did on the night he was betrayed. They were having the last supper. And Jesus knew his time was nearly up. But he didn't want this opportunity to pass them by because they needed to get this. If you want to be my follower, you've got to get this. So as they're eating... John chapter 13, verse 12 says this. When he had finished, verse 12, verse uh, verse 2 says this. The evening meal was in progress. And the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with with a towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus began to do the work of a servant. He began to wash their feet when none of them were bothered enough to wash their own feet. Washing feet takes time. It takes a long time just to wash one feet. But he washed all 12 and apart from Peter, no, I really believe no one said a word. They, they sat there shocked in silence as their master began to wash their feet. Then verse 12, when, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? Asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. If you are my follower, follow me. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Is there anybody greater than me in this room right now? I've taken away your excuses. I've taken away your reasons. Now follow me. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. How do we know that disciples finally get it? How do we know that? Well, on the other side of the resurrection, Jesus 
Jesus has returned to the Father, seated at his right hand. And we find in the book of Acts what the disciples are doing. The church is growing in number. It is growing phenomenally. It's just, it is just going for it. What's the disciples doing? They're serving the widows. They're serving food to the widows. They're serving. They had to, they had to pry the serving trays out of their hands. And they go, okay, okay look, we, we know you guys love to serve. We get it. We love you. Man, you guys are, if anybody thinks of serving, you guys do it. But we need you to teach us. You guys are the only ones who've been with Jesus. You know, we need you to teach us. We'll, 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 we'll find some other people to do this good work. Follow me. Follow me. What, is, what does it mean for us to be a follower? It means that we need to unfollow some things in our lives. It means we need to ask this question. What can I do? What can I do? Because when you encounter God, you discover purpose. And purpose always involves people. See, this is why we have the growth track. The growth track is, is, it helps people to answer this question, what can I do? Helps people find purpose, helps people to make a difference. Everybody in this room, inside of you, you want to make a difference. You want to make a difference. Sometimes we just don't know how or where to begin. Growth track is a great way to begin. Next week, we begin part one. If you haven't done growth track, I encourage you, grab this one card, fill it in, do the growth track. Follow me. What can I do? I'm not talking about being the ideas person. You know, lots of people come up to me. They're, oh, you know, Pastor, I really believe the church should be doing this or the church should be doing that. The church is not doing enough of this. The church is not doing enough of that. And I'm like, yeah, well, absolutely. If God's speaking to you, well, then, awesome. You, you do it. You go do it. You go start it. You, you help out in there. You, you do it. And they go, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm just the ideas person. <laughs> what I meant is for you to do it. Let's not just be the ideas person, but let's be action people. Let's not just be hearers, but doers of the word. What can I do? You know, um, when I first became an intern, many, many, many years ago, many moons ago, um, uh, I got a, an opportunity of going to a conference, and I was excited. The conference was up in Auckland, and um, and, I, and I went there. I was like the keyboardist, or just one the guitar, jump on for us. And so anyway, we we uh, just because you know um, when music happens, and then you know it's nearly ending, and we want we need to land this plane soon. Okay, so <laughs> um, and so I went to this conference, and it was in Auckland, and I was kind of like, I was excited, man, I'm, I'm going go, to go to the conference, it's my, my first year as an intern, it's going to be good, it's awesome, and, 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 uh, and, I, and I was staying at my mum's house, she stays in Mangere, and I, I'm unloading the car, it's like five o'clock in the afternoon, and conference starts at six, I don't want to try to get there as quickly as possible, I see one of my old friends walking down, down the street, and he's this big Samoan guy, big statue of a man, he's just walking down the street. Like this, and, and we catch up, we have a good chat, and talking about old times. Then all of a sudden, I see in a distance, I see these two guys running around the corner. 
And they, they run, they're actually, they're walking really fast, and they, and they look, and they, they keep looking over their shoulders, and they, they keep going, and they keep looking over their shoulders. And there's these two other guys chasing them. And they're, they're walking as fast as you can, and they come right in front of us. And there's like the standoff, standoff between each one of them. And, and, and my mate, the big Samoan guy, he yells out to them. And this is what he says, no weapons, boys, no weapons. I'm thinking, you idiot. How about no fighting, boys, no fighting. Then this ball begins right in front of me, this brawl happening. My mom comes to the door. She yells out, and stay out. And I'm like, as if I'm getting in there. And then quick as a flash, two of the next door neighbor's boys come running out, and they shove these boys off, and they stand there. Come on, if you want to fight, you got to fight all four of us. And then they just stand off, and then they quick as it started, quick as it ended. They're gone. I go to conference. I'm no longer excited anymore about conference. I'm rattled. I can't stop thinking about what had happened. And I'm angry. I'm angry. And I'm angry at the church. And, and I'm angry at the church. And, I didn't, and up until that point, I believed that the local church was the hope of the world. But at that moment, I stopped believing. I believed that the church was not the hope of the world. And I said to God, God, what is the church doing? These boys shouldn't be fighting. They should be fighting against the devil. They should be in church praising your name. What is the local church doing? And when you ask God a question, he, he, he replies. And he said this, what are you doing? Did you know whenever you use the word church, what is the church doing? They're talking about yourself. We are the church. We are the ecclesia, the ecclesia. We are the church. We are a movement. We went back and me and my wife, we started up a program in Fairfield Enderley. Where we, where, we, where we reached out to uh, troubled young people, kids, children, children that belonged to the mob, began to work with them. And I remember they used to come stay at our house to feed them, we didn't have much, but we fed them anyway. And I remember this mom knocked on my door and they just, want, just wanted to meet us. And they said, look, we're new to the neighborhood. I, I just wanna know, where, where do we buy drugs? Where do we buy drugs? So easy to judge that mom, isn't it? So let me tell you, this mom loved her children. All she needed was Jesus. But you know, I'm so proud to say that 12 years later in this church, that mom came to know Jesus as her Lord and Savior. We, we, we became the youth pastors and we, can start, and we opened up a home for young people to come where they experienced a different environment. And, and lots of those young people went on to become leaders in this church. And some of them are still leading today. What can I do? I still believe that the local church is not the hope of the world. This is what I believe. I believe that the mobilized church is the hope of the world. The mobilized church. You could be on the right track, but if you're sitting down, you're going nowhere. It's time to get up and begin to move in the direction God is calling you. Come on, let's be mobilized people. Let's be people who are working. Let's not just sit down and let everybody else do it. What can I do? What can I do? I'm excited because this church is a mobilizing church. Did you know in the last two months, we've had 20 people come to know Jesus for the first time? In the, just in less than two months, 20 people. We had seven people get baptized last Sunday. We've had 10 people baptized in the last three months. That's, that's, that equals the amount that we had in a whole year last year. 
Come on. What can I do? What can I do? Come on, let's, let's not be part of the problem. Let's be part of the solution. You know, I'm excited because we're launching the university campus next year. We're sending teams in there. We're sending teams in there to, um, to grow connect groups, life groups, make life. And, and, you know, and by the beginning of 2020, we want to launch a serve, uh, the very first service in, in that university. I'm excited about that. But what, what I'm also excited about is that next year, February 2019, we're going to go to three services. Three services. I know it's like, because, you know, we're a church that, that doesn't play it safe. We're a church that's willing to expand the territory that God has given us. We're a church that's mobilizing and moving. We're going to make it as easy as possible for the unchurched to come and hear the message of Jesus Christ. We're starting with an 8.30 a.m. service. Praise God. Let's, let's go for it. Then we're going to do a 10 a.m. I'm excited about the 11.30. If I didn't go to church, I would love the 11.30. I'll come. I'll sleep in on Sunday. 11.30 church. Go to base for lunch. But since I have to be here at 8.30, I'm excited about 8.30. Come on. Come on. You know, when we, when we launched two morning services, people said, oh, I don't think people will serve in two services. I'm so glad that people said, what can I do? What can I do? We're launching three services. We're looking for people to say, what can I do? What can I do? Come on, church, once you close your eyes, let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, that you are moving in this church. You've called us to be mobilized. You didn't call us to sit down. You didn't call us to play it safe. You called us to move. Father, we just pray that as we follow you, not only are we set free, but we set those around us free. Because it's all about you. We follow you. You know, if you're here this morning and, and maybe you've never... You've never followed Jesus before. Or maybe you did or somehow kind of gotten away from Him. I want to lead you in a prayer that all it is is the beginning steps. It's the beginning of the process. If that's you, come on, let's, just, let's pray together. Let's not let anybody pray alone. Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Help me to follow you. Because I tried following myself. It hasn't worked. I want you to be Lord and I want you to be Lord and number one in my life. In Jesus' name. Come on, church, give the Lord a hand. Um, if you see their prayer for the very first time, I'll take this one card. Take this one card. Fill it in, go to the info desk. You can get one of these, these Bibles on us. Come on, I'm, I'm, you know what, I'm really excited about our three services. Yeah. You know, last Monday, last Monday, Labor Weekend Monday, we got woken up and my kids walked in and they said, Rene is gone, Rene is missing and Rene is our grandson. And I, I didn't say, oh, that's okay, we've got Aria, so I'll just go back to sleep and let's go, it's okay, we've got one. Uh, we got out of bed and we, we all, we, we were all mobilized to look for him. We rang the police. We did all that we can to find him. Come on, let's not be a church. Well, we've got enough people. We don't need anybody else. Let's be a church to be mobilized and do all that we can. Amen.